DEI budgets are under attack, but the goals haven't changed. Whether you're looking to increase your DEI knowledge, expand your market reach, or gain a competitive advantage in business, we have the solution. TDM Library is your single source for expert curated DEI resources, strategies, and solutions, all designed to help you transform your workplace culture and be a more effective contributor. For $9.99 per month, you get access to our searchable subscription-based digital library. There, you'll find articles, practical how-to guidebooks, podcasts, award-winning micro-videos, and more than 700 Q&As designed to help DEI practitioners, thought leaders, and executives create a more inclusive workplace. Whether you prefer to listen, watch, or read, we have the resources for you. TDM Library goes beyond the basics to dive deep into topics such as inclusive language, the business case for DEI, talent acquisition, and C-suite engagement. For less than the price of a sandwich, you get access to our library of more than a thousand pieces of original expert curated DEI content. Join today and get your first 30 days free. Get your library card now at tdmlibrary.thediversitymovement.com. Welcome to the Hustle Unlimited podcast. Our mission on the show is to inspire greatness in people who are chasing their dreams. We'll give you access to entrepreneurs and business leaders who will give you the fuel to chase the dreams that you have. Our guests want to give back to the next generation of leaders by sharing details of their journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. Please welcome the host of Hustle Unlimited, Donald Thompson, and this week's guest, Sid Smith, a lifelong entrepreneur and current owner of Carolina Fresh Water. Sid, tell me a little bit about you. Like we're just we're just meeting. Give me give me the story. Where were you born, raised? Like give me the, give me the little. You back. know, uh, I've got you know. Jess and I have talked a lot about our elevator pitches because she needs to have one, yeah. you know, as she, you know, gets out in the marketplace. And it's made me think a lot about mine because, you know, I, you know, we have nine different businesses and, you know, it's, um, the only thing that I can really pin it down to is I sell stuff. It doesn't matter what it is, you know, and, you know, it started out as myself. I grew up on a farm, about a 5,000 acre farm in, in Ohio. So it's a pretty good enterprise, cattle and, corn nuts and grew sweet corn and uh, carrots for Campbell's soup and and those kind of things but you know I just I learned that if you wanted something there was always an opportunity or a way to be able to get it so as we were farming I would do things like you know there was one of the a berry farmer a raspberry farmer that moved into our area well nobody ever grew raspberries in Urbana Ohio so everybody kind of was thumbing their nose at him like raspberry yeah. farmer well, I wouldn't introduce myself to him because this guy's gonna need something right and he may pay better right, right, you, know? <laughs> you know so I found out that he needed straw so I'd go out to the local farmers and I didn't even have my driver's license yet but we rode our dirt bikes everywhere as long as the sheriff wasn't around and and uh, would contract different wheat fields from farmers and I and I said oh, look I'll keep all the weeds out of them if I can buy your straw after you, you know, take the 
uh, the weed off. And they said, okay, you know, we'll do that. So then I'd buy it and I'd bale it and then I'd sell it to him for his raspberry farm. And that was my first business of being able to, you know, I had to contract my older buddy that could drive because I couldn't even drive to haul it to him. You know, I was able, my dad allowed me to use the equipment, you know, on the farm and didn't charge me for fuel. And I found out later in life, it's a lot easier to have a profit when you have no cost, yeah, you, know. <laughs> you know, then, you know, once you start having costs, it's a different equation. That's but, right. but, you know, and then I just caught the bug. I went to college for agriculture and came back one summer for, and, I, and my parents always pushed me to, you know, to try to get out there and experience some other things. And I got a job, um, uh, with uh, with Vector Marketing selling yeah, Cutco sure. cutlery, yeah, which is what that, yeah, which is yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, there you yeah go. in terms of learning the, the hustle. Oh, I mean, that's it, you know. And I just found out, you know, I was been working for four dollars an hour, you know, sweating my behind off, and you know, I could make you know twenty, thirty, forty dollars in a day, and you know, I'd go out and I'd sell a set of knives and make four hundred dollars yep. in a couple hours and I thought there's something to this you know I didn't sweat you know I had a great time you know I got to meet somebody new you know they love the product it's got a lifetime guarantee so I think I want to be in sales you know so that's the direction that I've taken the rest of my life what if you you know if you were talking to somebody that was early in their career as you look back what are some of the things that made you different and special what are some of the things they could emulate well, we just talked about it over there. You know, I think that, you know, the number one thing I think is, is you just have to have a resolve to not quit. If you've made up your mind, you know, that you're going to do something, uh, you know, I've tried to instill in my girls, you know, you can decide not to do it, right? But you're going to do it until you're on top and then you can decide not to do it. But you're not going to quit at a low point when things are, you know, going at their worst and, you know, things aren't going good. You're not going to quit. You know, if you want to work your way through that and get on top and you see you don't like what you see around you, then get out, you know, but then it didn't whip you, right? right? But you quit and something whipped you, you know, that's just, that gets your soul, you know? Uh, So I think that that's what kids, you know, we've got several kids in our, our lives that, you know, we just see, they just quit, you know, it gets tough and they quit and then they move on and they're not building anything. They, and most of the time what you learn is, is what you learn by fighting it out, you know, you, you learn about yourself, you figure out new tools to make it work, you have to do things differently, and if you, if you quit before you have a chance of doing that, you didn't, the money comes. That's right. If you learn, the money will come, you know, because you're increasing your value, and the only way you increase that value is by sticking and staying. There's also one of the things that, that I've, I've learned is that the competition is much less for those that stick with something. That's right. Every step of that success ladder is less populated. Is, is less populated. Yep. And people can't understand that. That's kind of the faith part of it, right? Because mm-hmm. they, don't, they don't believe it their first time through. Yep. But there's so many people with great ideas and no resolve. Yep. And I'd rather find people with heavy resolve and maybe they don't have enough good ideas because you can find more good ideas. That's right. But you can't find, find the resolve. What do you do to keep yourself sharp? Like, what do you tell me? Tell me about some of the things you read, some of the people that you learn from that, that maybe have inspired you over the years. You know, I can learn from anybody I meet. You know, it's one of the reasons I was excited about meeting you. Me as well. You know, so, uh, but I can learn. I learn from my employees that aren't getting it done. 
what not to do, you know, many times. And I learned from guys like you, you know, that have other businesses. I, I like to hang out in a tough crowd. You know, I, I live by a philosophy that if I'm find myself the toughest guy in the crowd, I got to find a new crowd. You know, I got to, I got to move up. I got to push myself to, to continue to go. Otherwise that's, you know, you, you kind of run out of gas, but I read a ton, you know, I, um, How, what does a ton mean? You know, I read every day, you know, something, you know, I, if, you know, if, if only if I have 10 or 15 minutes on the way here, I bought a book for both of my daughters and my wife are all reading a book together by Joe Dispenza. And we have a book club that we talk once a week about the chapter. We don't make it unreasonable. We'd read a chapter a week of that book. And then we take 20, 30 minutes and discuss what we got out of it. And um, because I want to encourage them to have those same habits, you know, that you, if, you're, if you're going to look at something a new way, you have to have new information. If you wake up with the same information that you had yesterday, you're just going to be doomed to repeat what you had yesterday. So our job is to try to get new information, you know, which is going to give us new output. That's right. And it also, what I would say is creativity is based on who you spend time with. Mm -hmm. And coming up as a business leader personally, the best way I could spend time with heroes is through books. That's right. Right, because you're never at a point in life that you can't afford either to buy a book, mm -hmm. a used book, or get a library card. Yep. Right? That's and, it. And, uh, you know, with social media and different things, 140 characters, I think reading as a habit is being diminished. And so it's, it's, it's awesome that you do it, but more importantly, you teach it to the ones you love, mm -hmm. uh, which, is, which is really cool. If you had to brag on yourself a little bit, and I know that's tough. Most, most entrepreneurs I know are pretty humble and have done a lot. Tell me a little bit about one of your success stories. Tell me about a business challenge that you overcame and some of the things you had to do to get there. You know, I mean, they're all tough in their own way, you know, aren't they? Uh, uh, you know, I've been, I've really been blessed that uh, I guess I don't, I don't really see it that way, you know. I. You know, I, I don't, you know, I see that there's a, a, that hill to climb is just part of what I'm doing. It's not an obstacle. It's just something else to get over. You know, I know I'm going to have hiring issues. I know that we're going to have, you know, you know, I have a different focus when I start a business than most do. You know, I, you know, my number one thing when I open the doors of a business is creating income, right? And if I create income, then I can find somebody sharp come, to come work for me. But if I'm broke, you know, and I can't pay them, then you can't hire talent. Because I can't get done what I've got going on around here without having people that are sharper than I am, you know? So they've got to be, they may not know the overall thing, but if I can find a sharp guy here and a sharp gal here and a sharp person for over here, you know, that are great at their skill set, that it allows me to do what I want to do by, you know. And be a creator. That's it. And then I got to be smart enough to, to stay out of their way because they're better at it than I am, which you know how uh, hard that is. You're preaching to the choir. Like yeah. I, there was a, we had a pretty big meeting in my office today and literally the best thing I did was stay out of yeah. it. Right? It was the CEO of a $100 million company for us and in, in my marketing agency, one of the latest ventures. That's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Right? And we had an hour and a half on this gentleman's calendar. But the team that I had in the room meant really I needed to be there for about 10 to 15 minutes. That's right. But, but not dominate the dialogue. Yeah. 
And uh, if you don't have great people, then you feel like you need to be in every meeting. And the goal is to get and keep great people. Well, you mentioned creating income to attract them. How do you keep talented people wanting to work with you, for you, partner with you? How, what do you think about in terms of that retention model, in terms of talent? Well, you, you give them an environment that they can succeed in. You know, you give them an environment that, um, you know, that is safe, that has integrity. You know, I don't believe that, uh, you know, we have at Carolina Freshwater, we have our core values printed on every hallway and every room, you know, and it's, and we made a, you know, made it to where it meant something to us. And we call it the pig, you know, that we wanted to, when we started that company, we wanted to hire people that were like us, right? That we wanted to create an environment by hiring people that wanted that environment or lived that those ethics already. So they needed to be dependable. They needed to be energetic. They had to be positive. They needed to have integrity and they needed to be green and growing. And if they didn't have those qualities and when we're sitting down and interviewing somebody, we're asking you questions to find out whether you have those qualities. You know, and when we find out that we hire somebody that has those qualities, our workplace becomes someplace that you want to be. It's as fun or more fun than being at home. But when we violate that and we hire this hotshot salesman that has no integrity, I and the pig, because we know of the sales volume that he can create, even if we bring him in and he should succeed short term, he'll never succeed long term. That's it. Because he'll sit around and talk to somebody on a coffee break and say, oh, yeah, I, you know, I really duped him on this one. And the other person will look at him like, what? Is that what we're doing now? Yeah. Why would you do that? Yeah. You know, and, and they look at him like, you know, so he doesn't fit in, you know, and he'll go away because we have such strength in our commitment to everybody creating a work environment that we want to have. And then you pay them based on their ability to get it done. You know, I believe in, in having a pay program that's set up that whoever's working here and the company are all on the same page, right? So if they're doing well, the company's doing well. So we're both chasing the same thing. So if they're chasing it and we're chasing it, they're going to make the kind of money that they want to make and many times more than they ever thought they could make. Um, and while they're doing that, the company's doing better as well. Now, Carolina Clean Water, Carolina did, Fresh. You, did you start the business from the ground up? Did mm-hmm. you buy the business? Did you tell me a little bit about that story? You know, it was, uh, it was an afterthought. My partner and I in the security business uh, were walking through the telemarketing. We have a telemarketing company too, and it primarily generated business uh, leads for the, the security company, calling business to business all day long. Telemarketers would get up at five o'clock in the afternoon, be done, and we were walking through there at five ten, or actually about 5.01, Right. right. <laughs> you know, and the rooms got empty. Yeah, you right, know? Right. And we're thinking, you know, what a beautiful facility, you know, to, set, to have sitting idle. You know, maybe we need to have an evening campaign. So we started looking around for, you know, different businesses that might be business, business to consumer, B2C that we could call on in the evenings. And we actually sold a customer um, a security system that was in the water business. And she said, boy, you guys would be great at this. It aligns with everything that you're already doing. You're setting appointments, you're qualifying appointments. You send a sales rep out to be able to show us what we're getting. You install it, 
you know, the same day or the next day. You provide financing to make it affordable. You guys would be great in the water business. So we went down, talked to her for a little while and said, you know, I think that we would be good. So we started up in uh, April of 2014. And right about the time that we got our first group uh, ready to graduate and go out and run their first demos, uh, Duke Power was nice enough to assist us with a coal ash spill. Uh, so everybody that we called wanted to have their water tested. So sometimes it's better to be lucky you know, right. than good. So, so we had a lot of interest in the marketplace is what happened. You know? So we had an abundance of leads to be able to go out and call on, and we just got better. We went from zero to about a million our first year, three million our second year, six million our third year, and we'll do between eight and ten million this year. You know, so it's continuing to almost double in size every year. Fifty. So from zero to fifty employees, mm -hmm. and I mean, one I applaud it only because not just a business success, but that's fifty individuals that have a great place to work, mm -hmm. and entrepreneurs I think are are and will be the the lifeblood of our company. Mm -hmm. And for dreamers to go out and just see a niche and go chase it, uh, that's fifty people that are going to have a better way, a better life. Yeah. So I think that is that is that is super cool. When you think about looking at a new business, let's switch gears for a little bit, um, as an investor and entrepreneurs, right? I understand you do a little angel investing and, and different things like that. Tell me some of the characteristics that you look for, not so much in the business, in the individual that, that you're going to put money with. You know, and this may be, it's probably a story and I'm not sure that it's great for this, but it, it, it may be. I use it for another time. I had a, I, I, Either way, like it's, it'll it, be fine. It, my friends give me a hard time about this, you know, but it's just kind of an, it, it fits exactly with what you're saying. I've got a guy that, uh, that worked for me for over a year as my marketing manager, ran our telemarketing office. And uh, just um, brilliant, you know, off the charts. I mean, could give you any number about his department, um, could, was great at working with people, understood the basics, um, because we're very regimented. I, I know, you know, we know exactly what our sales and our installation output's gonna be at the beginning of each and every month, because we know, we have a formula. We know if we send out X number of pieces of mail, we're gonna get Y return, and once we get that return, it's gonna translate into this number of demos, this many demos turns into this many sales, this many sales turns into this many installs. Exactly, so it's a formula. There's no guesswork of what we're doing. Well. This young man was able to do the same thing in the telemarketing department. I mean, he really had it as a science. Well, he was having some difficulties at home. I mean, just personal issues that were affecting his ability to be at work and still feel comfortable with what was going on at home. And he didn't just run from them. He came to me and explained to me the problems that he was having and, and just said, you know, look, I mean, because that job, he's working until 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night, right. you know, because we're an evening campaign. And he just said, I just, boss, I don't know. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to do both and, and be able to, you know, to have a good lifestyle at home. So I said, well, you know, we're going to figure this out because I want you in our organization, you know, somehow. We're going to figure something out. So we transitioned him out of manager of that department. And I said, you know, take a couple weeks, you know, uh, get things going right at home, and then we'll sit down and talk again. Well, he came back to me. It just so happened that he used to be the number one online poker player in the nation when that was legal, when it first came out. Got it. Well, the reason he got into the telemarketing industry 
was because they made it illegal to be able to do actual betting online. So he got out of it. And well, they just re-legalized it, made it to where it was legal again. And he says, look, he says, I want to play in some of these poker tournaments. And he fa in fact, I want to go to Vegas and play in the World Series of Poker, but I need a backer. And he says, I don't have the cash to be able to do it. I just bought a new house and so forth. And I said, what are you talking about? And he told me, and I said, okay. I said, well, I believe in you. So we put together an agreement that he was going to pay me a percentage of his winnings, and he would pay me so much a month back each and every month until he paid me back, and it would give him the ability to go play in that tournament. He won it. Awesome. He won it. $260,000. You know, so, but I didn't, you know, I don't know anything about poker, you know. I don't want to know anything about poker. It's not my interest, but I believed in him. That's right. You know, he had what it takes. He's, he studies this sport. You know, he didn't go there unprepared. He knew what he was doing. It wasn't a gamble. He knew he was going to win something, you know, and he's continued to make that a good investment for me every month. Got it. You know, so, you know, I look for people that don't run from issues. He wasn't trying to run from his responsibilities. You know, he was displaying everything that was important to us. He came to me with his issue. He didn't just, how many times did somebody just not show up? Right. You know, no, no. and he didn't. He worked out a notice. And, uh, and because of that, you know, we're still working together today. And there'll be a time that poker's not important to him. And he and I will do something else together. I mean, I try to encourage people, if you bring a problem work-wise or even personal-wise, but but they're intertwined in business, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, then it's our problem to solve together for the good of our business, right? If you're going to keep it to yourself, then you need to handle it yep. and meet your objectives. Yep. <laughs> right? Like, that's that's right. Kind of but if you bring it together, then it's our problem. Yep. Let's, let's figure this out, yep. right? And to, to try to encourage that because, you know, I've always learned um, if I could handle it on my own, it wouldn't be a problem. Yep. So <laughs> asking for help is... Ego sometimes painful, but losing is worse. Mm -hmm. And so since losing, I was more afraid of, I was always more eager to try to find somebody that could assist me with something I needed to overcome. Yeah, well, because you were, to me, losing was worse. Yeah. Well, that's right. You know, you weren't afraid to ask for help, yeah. you know, and uh, I think that's so important. When you look back, you talked to me about uh, your ingenuity on the farm mm -hmm. and uh, selling straw for the raspberry farmer. That's awesome. Give me, uh, give me an example to where you achieved something, but success was in doubt. Like, give me, give me that story in one of your businesses to where, you know, things weren't going great, and you had to make a pivot or two, and you got it to the to the other side. That's in every one of them. Right, right, right. Well, pick one. You know, <laughs> you know that's in, uh, you know, that's in every one of them. I mean, you know, we've had. Uh, uh, you know, I bought a Chrysler store. I bought the, you know, uh, I partnered um, with my next door neighbor. When we first moved to North Carolina, uh, we moved into Oxford Hunt, and my next door neighbor was a guy by the name of John Heaster, who now owns uh, three dealerships. And uh, he and I just became best of friends, you know, right from the very beginning. We have matching daughters there, um, same ages. They became best friends. Our wives became best friends. And and anyway, you know, he was working as a general manager for a dealership and always had a dream of owning his own dealership, you know, and 
uh, he, you know, found a dealership that might be available. I mean, he was very much wired the same way that I am, you know. I mean, we will bet on a foosball game, a <laughs> ping pong game, you know, we'll come up with a new game just right, to right, have right. something to just be to have able to compete with. Exactly. So we were wired very much alike. And um, we decided that, you know, he wanted to buy this Chevrolet store. So he and I spent a lot of time talking about it. He wasn't, you know, exactly sure how to be able to go about doing it and he created the investors that he needed to be able to do it and that store was getting going and then he found another little Chrysler store that was you know 10-15 miles from there and said man he says we got to do this together come on let's go down and take a look at this thing so we went down to Coates North Carolina and um, pulled into a Chrysler dealership that to give you an idea it was the most underperforming Chrysler store in the U.S. Got it. It sold three new cars the previous year. Okay. You know, that yeah, it had been a business. Yeah, that's yeah, underperforming. Okay. You know, that's so it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't doing much, right? So, and invested in it, and, but I'd never had any car experience. And, um, you know, and boy, I'll tell you what, there were a lot of sleepless nights. You have, what I didn't realize is it's not just selling cars. You have five businesses inside of a car dealership. You have new car sales. You have used car sales. Yep. You have a finance department. You have a parts department. You have a, a um, service department. So you have all these different businesses. You don't just buy one business. Right. You've bought five businesses all inside one. And that was a learning curve. I mean, that was, I mean, because you can... Uh, car dealerships eat, you know, if, you know, my telemarketing business is not doing well, I could go over there tomorrow morning and say, see you everybody if I wanted to, and it didn't, wouldn't need another dime, you know, car dealership, you've got, you know, $25 million worth of inventory sitting there and it doesn't get worth more every day. It only gets worth less every day. Right. <laughs> and you can hear it some right, days, right, right. you know, depreciating and, and, um, you know, but we turned it. We built a brand new facility, and, and uh, they we moved it to Lillington. Brand built a brand new multi-million dollar facility over there, and and it turned out to be a great thing. Sold out to him, I don't know, seven eight years ago now, and he's still operating it and doing well. That's awesome. Yeah. One of the things I've heard you say a couple times is I identified an opportunity and I partnered. Mm -hmm. Right? Tell me, it doesn't seem like you go it alone. You find other smart, like-minded people. Mm -hmm. to do big things with. Yeah, well, I, I think that's important. I mean, I try to, but I, but I align my partnerships very, you know, John brought, you know, and the dealerships brought something that I didn't bring. You know, he wanted to be the guy in the commercial. He wanted to be, you know, I don't, I don't care for the limelight. You know, I, I want to go out to dinner and not have people recognize me. He wants to go walk in a door and have everybody say, hey, John, you know, loves it, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just different ways that we're wired. And, and I knew that he would be great, you know, for that business. And he is. He's really made it happen today. And, and uh, you know, other businesses that I get into, I look for somebody that has a skill set that I don't have, gotcha. you know, that we can complement each other because if you just... You know, the tendency, I think, many times is, wow, that guy's got to be just like me because i got to work with them every day. No, you know, I don't agree. I think that they need to be, you know, different men than me. They have a different skill set, so we're both bringing something to the table. That's the way you catapult it. No, no, that makes sense. You know, so. That makes sense. I mean, when I look at things, it's the same thing that you described. It's can one plus one equal 11? Mm -hmm. And when you find people that you can have that kind of exponential uh, growth with, uh, it's pretty, pretty exciting. Yeah. 
So let me ask, let me ask this. So when you look at, so we've been talking about uh, business, we've talked about some of the things in, in reading and, and the farm and different things. What currently is your Energizer Bunny? Like, what are you working on now? What are you looking at in the, in the future that gets you excited from a business standpoint? You know, there's a lot of different things that we've got in the pipeline. We've got, you know, warehousing business that's, uh, that's just taken life uh, in an area where CSX is just building a new intermodal uh, over in the Wilson Rocky Mount area that I think is going to be outstanding. I've had multiple people hit me with an industry that I think for years and years has been looked at as kind of like owning a strip club, but it's the, you know, cannabis industry, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's an area that I, you know, I think is coming, you know, it's, it's here. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, the great part of what we have in North Carolina is we have a vast resource of farmers that know what they're doing, you know, that have equipment, that have farms, they have, talent and labor force you know already at their disposal and they're struggling for crops that to they grow. can yeah, yeah that they can grow and make money so i think that we can bring something back to the state that uh gives them the ability to have something that tobacco used to be that's right because yeah. i mean now to tobacco where it uh you know it's like out of black eye mm -hmm. for for lack of a better term it's it's no longer with the health conscious wave kind of, uh, of of our environment whereas at least the cannabis thing even if somebody has some moral reasons behind it there's some medical reasons mm -hmm. uh why it's it's pretty strong and and the other thing is it's going to happen somewhere yeah and so when you're competing for jobs and recognition on a national basis you know you want your farmers to be able to feed too that's it and, and grow right yeah. a lot of a lot of times we we take on issues for different reasons but if it's going to happen why not feed some families? In the that's that's it. We've got everything. We've got great farmers, great crop, you know, land to be able to do it, and I think it's coming. You know, I don't think that there's any doubt that it's yeah. coming. So I'd like to be a part of. When it. you look at so, when you look at the education that your daughters have received over the years and now in college and different things like that, what do you think the school systems should teach that they don't? A lot. <laughs> Me too. You know, I mean, a, a lot. You know, uh, you know. I think that the first thing that we got to go back to teaching is, is you know, is, is you're responsible. You know, you are responsible for the results that you're getting. You know, it's not up to your mom. It's not up to your dad. It's not up to your school. It's not up to your, you know, your society. You know, to be gifted something. It's up to you. And you know, and the great part about you know living where we live is, is any you know, any amount of money that you desire is on the pay scale out there now. We see executives that are making 30, 40 million dollars a year. Mm -hmm. And you see somebody that's working at a, as a cashier someplace that's making minimum wage. Why? You know, obviously 40 million a year is on the pay scale. You know, why can he make it and you can't? I think that we need to teach our youth that they have the ability you know, in their control to be able to make whatever that they want to in this land of opportunity. Amen. They got to learn how to plant the right seeds. They got to learn that they're responsible. They got to learn that they've got to develop more skills, you know, if they want to be able to, to make more, then they've got to bring more to the marketplace. Right. right? Um, so, 
you know, this act of demanding that minimum wage, you know, 17 bucks an hour is already on the pay scale. You don't have to demand me to pay you $17 an hour. That's right. They don't have to come in and say, you know, and we're going to strike. No, all you have to do is bring more value and I'll pay you $27 instead of 17 right? And we got to go back to teaching that. It's there. You don't have to demand it's there. Just bring more value. Bring a work ethic, you know? Don't just come to work. Come to work with a smile. You whistle, I'll give you a 50 cent raise, right? <laughs> you know, if you just do it with a good attitude, you know? And, I, you know, I don't know why, you know, that we've got away from that and, and thinking that profit is a dirty word. Um, you know, profits aren't a dirty word. Sales is not a dirty word. Everything in this country happened because somebody sold it. You know, every piece on that car that you're driving was sold to that manufacturer by somebody. Every medical utensil, every hospital bed, every anything that you use in the entire world was sold by somebody. Sales is not a dirty word if you're doing it for the right reasons. If I'm coming and bringing something to you to the marketplace, that's of value to you. You know, but we depict it as something different today. I mean, I would say as we as we wrap up and, and finish, and I've enjoyed talking to you. Likewise, sort of getting getting to know you better. Um, we're pretty similar in that, you know, I I grew my career as a back carrying quota carrier and sales guy. All right. And the reason that I love that as a profession and still do, I, I just uh, have some different roles in businesses because I could set my salary. Mm-hmm. If I was willing to work and learn the product and 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 do right by customers, uh, I could create the life that I, that I dreamed of. And so I agree with you that sales is not a dirty word. The other thing that I would say that I would just echo is that personal responsibility you said in your number one item, mm-hmm. that a lot of times our society makes things everybody else's fault. Mm-hmm. And the decks may be unfair, but I was raised that you can't control that, but you can control what you get up out of bed and go do and the work you put in that day. And that opportunity was my focus, not the uneven aspects of our society. And I think that helped me move forward because I think you mentioned also good attitude, good energy. By having good attitude, good energy, I think you attract it. No doubt. And even though there's plenty of things to be disgruntled by, I didn't want that on me. I wanted that seeking new opportunity. And the more I spend time with uh, folks and entrepreneurs like yourself, the more energized I became as a young business person of what could be. And that attracted other people to me that saw that, uh, that humility yep. and more important, that work ethic. And thirdly, if they taught me, they could make money from my efforts. That's right. Right. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Like there was nothing wrong with people saying, wait, that kid can sell. Yeah. I want him to sell my product. And then they didn't want you going anywhere. And then they didn't want me to leave. No job security problem. Yeah, exactly I'll tell you something that we need to do. I've told my girls that if I was going to go out and I was going to have a, um, a reality show, this is what I'd like to do. I want you to drop me in a city that people say there's no opportunity. Drop me in Detroit. Some place that they say that there's you know, no real opportunity. No cell phone, no network, $100 in my pocket just enough to get me someplace that I can stay. And within one year, I'll be making $100,000 a year in an, in, an, in an environment that people say that there's no opportunity. And show people if you bring value, I don't care if I have to go sweep floors, right. 
because before long, I'm going to be running the kitchen, right? You know? <laughs> Did you get that? Right. <laughs> That's exactly right? how I feel. Just give me an opening. You know, right. and I'll prove to you I can do more. You know, that's what we got to bring. That's the American spirit, that's right. you know, and uh, I'd love to show people that. I'd love to have somebody do it with me. So if you ever have any time to no, do I'm, that. No, I'm open. Like, that would be like if we could get it sold. Yeah. I would like just do it. Yeah, yeah. But if yeah. we could get it sold yeah, as yeah. a show. Have, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, we could get it sold as a show. That's it. it. I'd do it with right. you. Just, just drop us that's in it. here. That's it. That's it. And, uh, Progress the, report. The, the challenge would, would be like... If we were sweeping the floor, then we'd have a, a floor sweeping business. Yeah. <laughs> like we would make it, like it, the odds would be stacked. Like it'd be silly to bet against it. That's right. Right. But the concept of the, that opportunity lives where the dreamer's heart is. That's it. Is pretty powerful. And I can, I can sense it and I can sense it as much of what you showed me, the video be yep. before about, uh, you know, the business, business that was created for, uh, for gang members to, to learn a different way, yep. and it's very, very powerful. So, Sid, thank you so much my for pleasure. inviting me in your home yeah, and, and sharing your thoughts, and and look forward to getting to know you better. Yeah, and this will be just a jump start. Likewise, great. Thank you for joining us on Hustle Unlimited. Make sure to join us each week for more conversations with leaders in our community. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, make it a great week.